folks. Welcome to another literary episode of Seishura, <laughs> the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scoop Magoo. I'm Elaine. And we do not necessarily have a book club episode, but we are talking about books and specifically our favorites. Uh, we, you know, have kind of expanded the format, so to speak, and figured that we've talked about Music. We've talked about music books. Let's just talk about books. We um, talked about Uzumaki in the past too. That's true. Yeah, we yeah. talk about music. We talk about books. Have music books and one manga, which yeah. uh, which is great. Yeah, we uh, yeah. we just recently got into the second bookshelf, organized stuff, and Uzumaki's a little bit higher up, and it's cool to see because I yeah, love the art style and I love the the story. Speaking it's of a fantastic book stories, we love. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. Um, yeah, what, what was your thought process picking out? Because obviously you are much more, uh, kind of incomparably more well-read than I. I don't know about that. But... Uh, I, I don't know if it's much of a competition. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know, dude. I uh, But, I mean, I, I just... I'm trying to remember my own thought process with even deciding this. I, I was just like... I want to fucking talk about books. Because <laughs> uh, I feel like I don't talk about books a ton with people. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because the people who do ask, like, I'll tell them what I'm reading. And th- they'll just look at me and nod. And, like, you y- you know that they're like, okay, like, what else can we talk about? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, something esoteric or just weird. And so, uh, yeah, I thought this might be... Just to have like a fun conversation about books, mm-hmm. um, and we're just we're talking about three each of our favorites. Um, and uh, wait, did you have any like? I mean, not that it really matters, but like, was there anything going through your mind like in picking yours out? Like, um, I mean, I I tried to balance. I mean, a lot of it's kind of the my album of the year formula, so to speak, is just comparing my own personal enjoyment to, you know, what it meant, quote unquote, to the year, to the to the world, um, but also kind of what it meant to me. Not just did I enjoy it, but what it meant to my literary journey. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I went I went a pretty decent stretch where I just didn't read. Period. Um, one of those like, oh, I don't have time to read, uh, which is just a you know. It's a, I mean, some weeks I will say I feel like I don't have time to read. Other other weeks I'm like I just chose to do something else instead that was much less fulfilling. See, um, I'm I'm very obsessive compulsive, um, and, and I mean like literally just in in many ways I've been diagnosed. But um, when it comes to reading, uh, especially like I need to do it every day, and so I mean I've I don't know I feel like I've been doing it at least regularly since I was probably like 10 years old. Wow. Um, and just, just keep going, you know, just, I, and nowadays it's just like, I need to read every day, even if it's just like a chapter, uh, even if it's just like a single poem out of a book, you know, just, I, I, maybe it's just like that feeling of like, feeling like you've done something that day, you know, (laughs) which is, which is fucking sad, but (laughs) I don't know. My thing, and this is this is like somewhat of a. 
I mean, like, I've tried to carve out more time in the morning because, like, for me, I'm freshest in the morning. But unfortunately for me, that's usually, like, I'll try to just hop on and get some work done because I'm freshest or I'll just, I'll be getting ready to go. And and then, when, like, when I have time to read at night after work, everything's all done. I'm just, like, I don't feel like doing anything. So I've been trying yeah. to force myself to, like, all right, just as soon as you get up, just set a timer for an hour at least and just, you know, get get some get some reading in because i always feel better after i reach this for me it's, it's one of those getting over the hump kind of things yeah for um, sure like w- once i start a good book and i've also done better about like when i look at all the books that i wrote down just kind of my, my long list um they're all books that i i read relatively quickly um i think that's something that i've gotten better at is you know if i've had a book you know, bookmarked for a week, maybe two weeks. Like, if, if time's going on and I'm just, like, not feeling excited about reading it, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, like, I'm not going to, like, burn it or anything. I could just put it back on the shelf, and then, like, when the mood strikes me, I could try again. But there are just, there are big stretches where I would have a book, you know, started, and then I just wouldn't read because I didn't want to read that book, which is, you know, pretty easy solution. Just pick something else. Um, so that, 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 that like like me personally like like i i can't do that (laughs) like if so i i again a a very ocd here because everything that's on my bookshelf i pride myself as having read Mm -hmm. so anything that i haven't read is not physically on my bookshelf Mm. uh and if it's a book that i've given up on i want it out of my house as soon as possible hmm um, like to the point, like, you know, I will return it to Amazon or, you know, wherever I got it from, you know, within 24 hours or just sell it or what have you, you know, uh, just because I, it, I don't know whether it just guilts me, like it makes me feel guilty to look at it or not, but <laughs> I just can't have it in the house. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it, it works out in some ways because it makes sure that like, I actually get what I read done and, you know. Um, it, uh, though I think, you know, we've talked about like sunk cost fallacy before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a very real thing with me that like, I'll have a book that uh, I will not really like, and I have to really not like it to give up on it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just, for me, it's just, it's, it's almost like a, like, there are books that I've just powered through, and, like, by the end, I'm, I'm, like, barely even reading it. I'm just, like, I'm just absolutely flying through the end. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're obviously, I'll, I'll, you know, come to, so to speak, at the very end, just so I know what happens. But, I don't know, just, it's, uh, I feel like, like I have, I, I have limited time, and I'll definitely make time for books that I, I want to read. Like, you know, I've stayed up late recently reading books that I was really into, but... Um, like if it's just not, if it's not working, if it's not clicking, I'd rather, uh, have to try something different, uh, cause I yeah. have plenty of books that still need to be read. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting how opposite we are in that, in that regard, how we approach, it, we approach books. I, I mean, the, for me, it's a, I mean, part of it is that like my, like, I, I, I guess the art form that I've sort of chosen for myself is writing. So... You know, I, 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 like, I remember reading, uh, Stephen King's book on writing, um, like years and years ago. And he said like the one thing, you know, like, or like the, the, the two things that will always make you a better writer is to write and read as much as possible. 
And so, you know, I, I, I feel like I was kind of practicing that before I read that, but, um, yeah, it's just like, I don't, I, 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 I it, it just reminds me of that a lot. It's just like, you know, you, you gotta keep that up for me. Like, you, even though I feel like my writing has gone way downhill, but, um, you know, <laughs> not, not, not really the subject of, of this episode, but <laughs> no, no, no problem. I mean, it's, it's uh, somewhat of a, you know, an open-ended topic. I mean, it, it's, I was hoping we talk a little bit about our, our, our process and whatnot. And then I guess yeah. on that regard, um, or in that regard, on that regard, um, what was your thought process? I mean, again, the number of books we've each read is, is I think there's a pretty significant gap in between. You had a, you had a much more, much broader sample size to pull from. So I'm curious yeah. how you narrowed it down, narrowed it down to three. <laughs> I, uh, it was difficult. Like, because I, I had a couple ideas of like stuff I would like, oh yeah, be like definitely into and definitely include. And then I was like, nah, no. And, you know, just kind of like going back and forth and back and forth with that. Uh, I mean, did I mention OCD? <laughs> you know, and I mentioned neurotic, you know? So, uh, you know, like that, um, I, I, I guess at the end of the day, I, I chose stuff that was important to me, you know, as a reader, as a writer, but also personally. Um, but I also chose different types of books. Mm -hmm. So like I have uh, short fiction, a novel, and then uh, kind of like, I guess nonfiction kind of, uh, we'll get to it. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I have just a fuck ton of, of honorable mentions, which do you, do you want me to just do those now? Or I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, I was thinking we just switch off, uh, and, and general from the main ones, but I was yeah. just going to run through these at some point. Really yeah. Quickly. I would just say uh, quickly in terms of my, I, I basically, I tried to pick three that were, I mean, again, the books I, I enjoyed, but also had like some kind of significance to my literary journey, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I think I got a pretty, you know, pretty good list of books. And yeah, I think it, it's it, it's it represents kind of how my very spotty history with reading has has gone. So, yeah, I think yeah. if we're, you know, without further ado, let's get going. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first or? Uh, no, well, why don't you go first? Okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I'll just read off honorable mentions first and then kind of get into my first one. Um, so I guess really quickly, uh, Ted Chiang's Stories of Your Life and Others, uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson, Ted Joya's uh, The History of Jazz. Robert Haas's translation of, uh, it's called The Essential Haiku, um, Siddhartha by Herman Hess, uh, Benjamin Hoff's The Tao of Pooh, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, uh, Hard Boiled Wonderland, and The End of the World by Haruki Murakami, uh, Kelly Link's Get in Trouble, uh, The Scar by China Myville, Frank Miller's Sin City series, uh, Alan Morris's From Hell, uh, The Things They Carry by Tim O'Brien, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, Pastoralia by George Saunders, uh, John Seswood's uh, biography of Miles Davis called uh, So What, uh, D.T. Suzuki's uh, An Introduction to Zen Buddhism, 
uh, Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut, and finally uh, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace, which I was going to include, but I felt like that was way too pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so yeah, my my first uh, selection is uh, technically a short story, um, but I'm kind of using it just to kind of just say this person's work in general, and it's um, the story's called uh, Notes Towards a Mental Breakdown. It's by J.G. Uh, Ballard. Um, I... I J.G. Ballard is one of those... He's, like, one of the most important writers I've read. Um, like, I think I... I've read his book Crash, which is not the same as the, you know, the Oscar bait film uh, Crash, um, though it was made into a film by David Cronenberg, which I, I suggest people read that. But, it, you know, it's, it's it's all about, like, car crash fetishism um hmm. of, of all fucking things but th this specific story uh notes towards a mental breakdown is uh this bizarre like experimental fiction piece that uh technically the entire story is one sentence um and each word in the sentence is footnoted and in the footnotes it talks about like it actually explains the story so like technically the meat of the story is in the footnotes mm-hmm um, and it's really fascinating because, you know, he, like, like he put us everything in that sense. So like, even like something like is, you know, like, like a verb or, you know, like a conjunction, you know, will be footnoted and there'll be something about that. And it, it's all about, if I remember right, it, um, cause it's been, it's been a couple years since I've read it, but it's about this person. I mean, yeah, this person just kind of like losing their mind. Um, Ballard has this way of, um. I mean, people have talked about this a lot before, um, of sort of predicting uh, social events and sort of changes that will happen in the future with, like, a weird degree of accuracy. Mm -hmm. Or at least, like, like I, I, I guess a lot of the things that we consider problems today were kind of on his mind in one way or another way back in the 60s. Like, so he had a book that was all about um, the polar ice caps melting. Um, which, you know, kind of real now, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, like, he, uh, near the end of his life, you know, a lot of his books were about, um, sort of like, uh, neo-fascism, uh, you know, like, sort of like these, these rich people, you know, sort of, uh, using, you know, um, like nationalist regalia and things like that to kind of like beat down other people. And it, it's, it's like, you know, it, this was like, he died in like 2008, if I remember. So like, this was, you know, a little bit before, you know, sort of what we call, you know, like the, the, you know, uh, the rise of the, you know, like the, well, what's, what's the term? Um, not the far right, but the, um, god damn it what I, like um oh all right that's what i'm thinking of mm -hmm. yeah um it just i mean just kind of like that yeah like that, that that trends towards you know fascism in general that the world seems to be hurtling towards mm -hmm. uh you know like that was kind of something he was thinking about in a way but i mean to, to describe his exact feelings on it i mean they they, they were very anti it but like to describe the exact philosophy he was trying to like sort of expound I'm not totally sure. I've read almost everything he's ever written, and I'm still not totally sure of what he's trying to say sometimes. But, like, goddamn, am I just always impressed with the way he writes. 
Um, and just even here, like, you know, just the structural experimentation at work was super inspirational for me, you know, just seeing someone, um, you know, just take a story and, you know, tell it in a completely different way, you know, instead of having to do the whole, like, he said, she said, you know, third person narrative bullshit that like, admittedly, I, I like, but like, I, I think it's, it's, it's limiting in that, that doesn't need to be the only way to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just cool to see these, the, some of these authors try these things uh, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And this one worked really well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like that, that that's part of the experience uh, of reading something experimental um, is, you know, I guess there's like three buckets. Like either like you appreciate, you know, you, you, you think the experiment paid off and you enjoy it. You, know, you didn't, quite think it paid off but you know it was enjoyable nonetheless or that didn't work and it was terrible <laughs> so yeah. i feel uh, i feel like achieving the hey like this was a big risk and they actually nailed it because there's some you know I'm trying to think of a example there are some times where i'm like well that was uh that was a little risky but you know i kind of liked it um yeah i mean to be fair i i don't know if all of the experiments that he's tried have always worked off i mean mm -hmm. um I think, you know, he's maybe, I mean, like, I think other people, I mean, I if you want to make a music connection, I mean, uh, his, one of his best known collections is um, Atrocity Exhibition, mm. uh, which, you know, was, you know, uh, something Ian Curtis was reading around the time that they were making Closer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, uh, and, you know, like, <laughs> that that's an interesting collection of i should reread that at some point but um i will just say there's one story in that called uh why i want to fuck ronald reagan okay yeah so um just you know put that feather in your cap oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so i i i don't know what else to say i mean i i just find um I, I just find his work in general to be fascinating. And, you know, I, I felt like I, I could have probably talked about Crash. I could have talked about uh, this other book of his that I really like called uh, Supercon. That's all about, like, um, kind of like this, this rich uh, society or kind of like it's like a rich industrial park uh, in, 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 like, Nice, France. Uh, like, sort of like on the, um, uh, on the French Riviera. Uh, is in can uh, con I guess can I don't I don't I think it's called pronounced can right um, but yeah and it's it's like all these rich people go, like dressing up in leather jackets and like beating up immigrants and shit and it's it's like it's pretty it's it's very screwed up because it's like the impetus of the story is is this like this mass shooting that happens. Um, by one of the doctors who is working in this industrial park. Hmm. Um, again, it, it, another theme that's very uh, large in his, his later work, and again, kind of relevant now. Um, yeah, so just I, I, I've, I've just found his, like all of his work that I've read to just be just so fascinating and just something that's just thought-provoking, but also like it, it, it's not like it's just this person trying to expound their philosophy like he's really like he cares about the way things are written too 
Mm-hmm. So, um, or at least he has in the past. So nice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what, what what have you got? Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll go through my honorable mentions first. Uh, I'll try to do rapid fire as well. Um, the Vegetarian by Han Kung. I'm really sorry. Uh, <laughs> Only Good Idiots by Stephen Graham Jones. Crying in H Bar by Michelle Zahner. Uh, Girl with Dragon Tattoo by Steve Larson. Yeah. Uh, Farewell to Arms by Hemingway. Old Man and Sea by Hemingway. Uh, the Narrows by Ann Petrie. Barn 8 by Deb Olin Unferth. Uh, Wolf and White Van by John Darneal. Uh, the Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. Um, nice. I think my first pick is not going to be much of a surprise to you, so I'm not going to bother to, you know, do my typical, you know, mystery lead-up story. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's The Stranger by Camus. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, okay. reading that and subsequent writings, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the college experience of just trying to, you know, find yourself, you know, understand your... Um, you know, understand your philosophy, understand like your <laughs> yeah. world, and like it really was one of those moments where, as I was reading *The Stranger* and then the subsequent, you know, of his thoughts on absurdism, I was like, "Man, this is just kind of how I organically think. Like, this just kind of is is my worldview, so to speak." Um, it, it was either reading *The Stranger* or *On the Road*, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I mean, I just I also really enjoy. His writing style, uh, I mean, I know, you know, someone like Hemingway is a little, or actually, it can be pretty controversial, but I, I, I like that kind of very, sometimes I, I get lost on the really, really verbose writing where sometimes, like, you're like, okay, like, this is clearly going to, this is clearly going to be important, like, oh, this, this exposition, like, this detour into, like, this, whatever, and then as the story progresses, you're like, oh, no, he just spent several paragraphs, several pages, writing about that. Okay. Yeah, like, like, like a Proust sort of thing. Yeah, where it's just it's like you know it's this isn't you know not not that everything just needs to be like Bob picked up this he did that now you know the end but it's just sometimes it feels you know when stories just go on and on and on I'm like what 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 are we what are we talking about here and I feel <laughs> like the strain I mean obviously the stranger is really short but um, just felt really direct um, you know every time I reread it, I've kind of picked up a little bit more on what he's, um, you know, it's not as direct as, let's, you know, say the, the myth of Sisyphus, where he pr- pretty clearly lays out, this is, you know, this is my philosophical mindset. You know, it's kind of a philosophical novel where he's, he's trying to get across his thought, you know, thoughts, you know, through fiction. So, yeah, I, I've enjoyed rereading it a few times and it, it's, uh, it's just, it's an, interesting novel it's and again i just think it just it it means a lot to me because it was nice to you know i wasn't raised in like like in a oppressive christian household by any any stretch of the imagination but i definitely was raised you know typical you know conservative christian household so didn't really you know i can't say i had a lot of i encountered a lot of thinking that matched kind of how my my thought process progressed over time mm. so it just it was it was one of the clearest you know distillations of where i stood and just like to, to read it to for it to to hit me like that i was like man i i needed that and uh it's just had a soft spot 
in my heart ever since. That's, a, that's one of those books I really need to reread again because I, I haven't read that since I started college. Uh, I mean, that was that was a decade ago now. It was over a decade ago now, now wow. that I think about it. God, I'm old. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they, I, but yeah, I like, it, it is a very direct book in terms of style. I, I've always wondered whether that was due to tra- its translation or not, but, you know, I, I, I guess you can only, I, I guess there's only so much you can sort of lose in translation. I don't know. Um yeah, yeah. I, I mean something because you're right that, that's always it's always a risk when you read something that um, there's been a couple times where I've read something and I'm like yeah this feels like it was not translated super well, or well you can... it, it, it's not even that that it's not translated well like like for example like um Haruki Murakami's work like which I I mean I, I I've loved almost everything I've ever read of his um, but you know there's a very like it feels very plain the way it's written and you have to wonder whether there's something that's lost in translation um not necessarily due to poor translation but just to sort of like the limits of you know being just because i think language informs our reality in a very big way and, you know, I think different languages can kind of, you know, I, I, I think in some ways the, the way you look at something can often be, you know, like in the, the way you try to describe that in one language won't always come off in another language. You know, I mean, like, like Japanese, for example, I, I'm, if I remember right, um, the Japanese didn't have a word for religion until uh, the Americans uh, actually like landed on their soil. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it, it, but but it's just like just an example of like you know sometimes these concepts are just so like they they don't really have you know a, an actual like linguistic root you know even in the language and so it it, it just you you kind of wonder where what is kind of left on the table uh, inadvertently. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I I, I do really. I really should reread The Stranger, <laughs> is is what I just meant to say. So. Yeah, and the sense I get is because it's apparently it, it's sometimes assigned in like relatively you know beginner to intermediate French classes because it's it's pretty simple French. So my guess is that there's not. I mean, there's a, there's a famous Atlantic article where um, I, I don't mean famous that like it's it's especially special. That was a good sentence. Uh, just, <laughs> just that, like for some reason, they've shared it a lot, and it's just kind of like you can dissect, like the the first you know, you know mother died today, which is not exactly what it says, but I'm just that's the the sound of the sentence. Like, Maman, Maman died today. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and just the the way that you know the way that you could translate or understand that sentence, you know, from the French is uh, I guess a point of contention. So yeah, yeah, I, I guess to me, how you, I mean, like I'm thinking of. I really enjoyed um, Girl with Dragon Tattoo. I, I really... Um, Those were great. I really should have captured the momentum and read uh, uh, The Girl Played oh. With Fire next. You, you, you didn't read um, You didn't read the other ones? I tried to do something short in between, and then I just, you know, I, I got in a different mindset. I forget what I read after, but I, I should just pick oh. it up. 
Yeah, because um, they, yeah, they, they're uh, the other two are really good. I haven't read the um, the other ones that that someone else wrote, yeah. but Girl Play with Fire and uh, Girl Kick the Hornet's Nest are really good. The the, the Girl Kick the Hornet's Nest is probably my favorite out of those. But uh, I think similar to uh, similar to The Stranger, it's been over a decade since I've read those. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll just pick that up again. Uh, but yeah, I, I will say with that, like I enjoyed the story. It wasn't. It's it's not distracting, but definitely there are some points where you're reading it. And I'm like, this definitely feels, it feels like rigid. Like it, it feels like a little, like it just it feels translated, which is kind of hard to come across. But as you're reading, I'm like, this feels very like, like I feel like if reading this in Swedish, it might flow a little bit better. Mm. I mean, again, it's it's not, you know, it doesn't ruin the book by any means. The story is still great, but just it's something that I picked up on and was like, you know, I I could kind of tell so. Um, well, I I remember that, I I mean I like I'm I'm not I'm not a linguist, um, but I remember reading somewhere that, like Swedish like, like they have an odd way of like compounding words together, and I think like I think that comes from like it's like from like German you know, uh-huh. like I think it's the same thing in German too that they kind of like string these words along together that when you translate them, uh you know, like fully it like like you know um. If you just do a direct translation of them, I it they, they make no sense. But you you know like there's sort of like a different idea that's kind of um y- you know communicated as a result of putting these words together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I I I won't I won't keep adding on to this. <laughs> no, it's been a good, good conversation so far. Why don't you yeah. uh, Why don't you you keep us going? Yeah. So um. Yeah, but my next one is uh, Ubik. Uh, it's spelled uh, U-B-I-K by uh, Phil K. Dick, um, which is similar to Ballard. Uh, I I love Philip K. Dick. I have like, I mean, a good amount of his work. He's just he just he wrote so much stuff, uh, partially because he was on amphetamines for a good amount of his career. Great, <laughs> love to see it. That's awesome. Love to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I've just been fascinated by his stuff, and this is probably my favorite of of his books. Um, it is a it is a bizarre book. I mean, a lot of his stuff has to do with like, you know, kind of like is this reality real, and how can you prove it? And uh, it's like a novel that's that's very much that you know. Like, but but I think I I think what I like about him is that like. You know, it, he. It's not like he set out to, like I, I. There's a lot of to kind of like take away in his books, but at the same time, he's a science fiction writer. You know, so even you know, like I, I think there's an interesting plot to always kind of go along with things as mm-hmm. well. And like, but this, it's like this world where uh, people can uh, they call it like half life, where you um, after you die, you can actually be resurrected in a way like your 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 soul in a way is it, they can use sort of like the basically like the ad like I, I guess like the isotopes from your body and like you can like speak to people who are alive um it, it, it's it's fucking nuts and, and like on top of that um you know it's like a world full of like uh people with like esp and shit and like like you know precognition and things like that and uh but i think my favorite my favorite part over everything else in in this book is 
um, that I think one the fashion in it like he he makes note to describe a lot of this fashion and it's like it it almost sounds like they're all dressed up as like scottish golfers (laughs) (laughs) i just like i love that i love just the bizarreness of that but i think even more than that my absolute favorite thing about this book is that they have um like basically to get into a doorway any doorway or like just do anything in general you have to pay for it so like to 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 just open a door you need to put in like a five cent coin Hmm. and and i just i i like if there is anything that perfectly encapsulates how shitty capitalism can be (laughs) it is that (laughs) yeah (laughs) sure and and i just like that that always sticks with me like the doors will actually like talk to people too (laughs) Like, so, like, if if you don't, it, like, I think there's a scene where one, like, the main character doesn't have enough money to actually get in a door, so he has to kind of just, like, sit outside it, and, like, the door just, like, you know, like, like, they, like he tries to, like, plead with it to let him in, but they're like, no, like, <laughs> you can't come in. <laughs> oh, God, I fucking love that book. Me and, um, me and Devin are, are actually going to be, um, reading it together um at some point when she finishes uh what she's reading at the moment uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it again <laughs> nice yeah uh, i it also i mean i i mean i i think anybody i think most people are familiar with phil k dick just because basically any science fiction franchise you you've probably heard of he's had a hand in it in a way like you know blade runner was inspired by his book uh what was it um oh like electric sheep i i I can't remember the exact name of it now um god fuck i sound like such a fucking poser now do androids dream of electric sheep that's what Mm -hmm. it is um you know minority report just based off of one of his short stories uh man in the high castle was made into a whole tv show on amazon um you know i i think black mirror is honestly like just a huge homage to him um they they actually uh, amazon made an anthology series um that was all based on his short fiction um that is really good despite it being made by amazon uh brian cranston's in one of the episodes it's really good so um anyway yeah just highly recommend people read philip k duck nice yeah yeah, I, I see. Like, I know you're you're big uh, big fan of his, so I assumed you would make yeah make the list. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a bit of a fanboy, fangirl. I don't know. <laughs> what's that? Oh man, what's that? Uh, I think the weekend is a line where it's... oh yeah, I I think it's in Snow Child. Uh, it's uh yeah he he specifically says like I, I like girl I'll Philip K Dick you or something like that. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, futuristic sex giver fellow Kasich. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, able able sometimes you know very on the nose. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so what have uh, what have you got next? Um, I think I picked this one. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how well it's aged. I think that the sequel to this book is much more problematic. 
uh, and also I just I didn't enjoy it as much. But I think for what this is and kind of what it sets out to do, like even though the really intense level of debauchery can be quite graphic and and unsettling, um, I think it's it just it's a portrait of you know young dumb full of cum you know young rich out of control <laughs> and i think for me it was it was important because i think i approached reading and this was kind of one of the roadblocks for me for a while it's like i wanted to read books that like big big silly quotes mattered like the classics uh i don't really like the classics like, you know, i'm talking about like the the big famous books from yeah i i'm with you yeah, I, like I, I i'm not much of a classics person either yeah, like, I understand their place, whatever, but, like, you know, there was one point where I tried to get into Shakespeare, and I was like, I, I actually don't like this. And I think <laughs> I think just I made the kind of problematic, or the the, um, the flawed jump from, like, I don't like this to, like, I guess I'm just not into reading, whereas, like, I'm just not reading the right stuff. But, like, you yeah. know. Uh, but this was a book that a friend gave me, and it was one of the, it was also, like, my parents knew what, what I was reading at the time, because like, it was in high school when they still gave a a shit about what I was consuming. I think they would have been mortified, but I don't know. It just it, it opened the floodgates to like, hey, like contemporary fiction might be good. You know, <laughs> we're reading stuff that's a little bit off the beaten path. And uh, I don't know if you've guessed it already, but it is less than zero by Brett Easton Ellis. I, I thought it might be less than zero. Okay. Um, I think not to start this off negatively, but like I just Imperial Bedrooms to me just felt more. It kind of was in the. The, it made sense as a sequel but it just felt more mean-spirited to me like i didn't get the same i didn't get the same i don't want to say message but kind of i didn't i didn't get the same value or the same i don't know because like i don't want to say there's like some deeper meaning here but like to me what's great about less than zero is just it captures the you know like you know like why are you depressed you like you, you you money's not a concern like you have a you know you have ostensibly your friends you can hang out with and it just it just it showcased kind of how quickly things can get out of control and just like peeling back the peeling back the curtain like it just it felt like it had a it was so glamorous and kind of dirty and disgusting at the same time like it just mm. it was an interesting portrait and just i think what i liked most is that um clay in less than zero is more or less uh, i'm trying to think back if he does anything truly heinous but i think in less than zero he's pretty relatively neutral he just is kind of like observing things that are going on whereas in imperial bedrooms that is decidedly not the case he is very much an antagonist and, and <laughs> oh. just a, like a not not he makes a lot i don't know just it, i think that was a distinction for me is that like and it's interesting that it's it's not only the same author, but it's literally, you know, it's a, a, a sequel to the same novel. It just, this is how you kind of can write about, you know, all types of debauchery and, you know, problematic behavior. And it kind of works. I think that, you know, obviously he's been criticized before, like American Psycho, you know, it has come under fire. It's a polarizing. Uh, I think Less Than Zero escaped that just because the movie adaptation wasn't very good. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I, I've heard that the movie was not great. Whereas the movie for American Psycho, obviously, it was is really well known. Um, it's super good. Yeah, I mean, but both of those are really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I think not only do I I think it's a a good book, but also, um, it just it it really was the first time where I felt like, 
you know, like the first book I read was like like ever. The first like actual quote unquote adult book I read was The Hobbit. Um, you know, I think back to reading. You know, I tried reading like Huckleberry Finn. Like I try, I tried reading a lot of books that are in that vein of like kind of like oh these are these are established classics and you know your your dad or your grandfather would be like oh ho, ho, I remember when I read that <laughs> and like there's nothing wrong with those books it's just that you know it kind of felt like a like a me book if that makes any sense yeah. like I feel like I'm like like I don't even know if my parents had ever heard of this and I think they'd be mortified if they read this for themselves and it was like cool like like it, it just it made for maybe the first time ever at that point it just made reading feel like dangerous and kind of like edgy yeah edgy and it was like oh i'm reading a book and i feel like feel naughty that's i mean that's a dumb way to put it just <laughs> like i'm reading i'm like oh this, this is the, 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 those are the books we aren't talking about here yeah exactly exactly um so yeah definitely definitely a cool uh definitely a I, cool read and it's it's stuck with me ever since yeah, I, I, I haven't read that book again, like, over a decade. Like, I, I was in high school when I read that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I vied with it as much as you did. But, I mean, like, I think at that time I'd already read, like, Fight Club and stuff. So, like, I'd already, I already got, like, my, my, my fill of edge, I yeah, guess. What, what is it, uh, transgressive fiction? Yeah, is transgressive the, yeah, fiction or, yeah. like, that, like, Gen X yeah. sort of fiction. Um. Yeah, no, I, I, but I totally, I know what you mean. Like, just finding a book that, like, you know, like the problem isn't the, you know, like the the problem isn't reading. It's finding a book that works for you, and the classics just aren't always that for people. And uh, yeah, I mean, like that. That's kind of why I glommed onto something like Fight Club or like, um, oh, I didn't even include in honorable mentions. Uh, Johnny Got His Gun mm-hmm. by uh, Dalton Trumbo. Um, which coincidentally I, I I knew about because of Metallica, <laughs> so I uh, gotta love that shit. Um, you know, it's funny with, with finding your own book. Like, I mean, in in college, like that was infinite jest for me. You know, as mm-hmm. again as pretentious as that sounds, like I was very unhappy being like an English literature major. You know, reading all of these books and finding that they were all really boring. And then, uh, you know, I read Infinite Just, and it was like, oh, fuck. Like, people can write like this? Mm-hmm. Like, shit, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I, I totally I totally get you. I, I've, I haven't read Imperial Bedrooms. I, I really, I haven't read anything by Brady Snellis in over a decade now. Uh, um, I mean, the, the TLDR is that it's, it's him as, a like, an adult. He's grown yeah. up. And he, like, it has some of the same characters, but just, like he goes from narrator to perpetrator and he kind of does all the stuff that was like, like, you know, look at all this awful stuff that happens, you know, in these you know, beautiful Hollywood Hills mansions to like, Oh shit. Like, can I root for this guy? Like, is yeah. he even, like, I feel like that's a really interesting balance, which uh, a show like Mad Men, I think that's probably the best example. Uh, at least from what I've watched, read, etc. Like Don Draper is not a great guy guy like the main the main character in Mad Men. yeah uh, i i i yeah. watched most of Mad Men. Yeah. yeah he's not a great like i think he's a great character and I, like i you, you kind of it's a genuine conflict where like he's just he's not a good person he does all types of stuff that's kind of you know classically yeah, yeah classically yeah. immoral just like it's kind of you you have to you have to be trying to like you know push boundaries be like well maybe you can consider if you look at it this way you know and especially at that time 
but like he's such an interesting character and i think john ham really owns that role uh partially because he's actually struggling with alcoholism at the time so uh i didn't know that yeah it actually interesting it kind of made sense like in, in a sad way but like when you're like oh okay so maybe that wasn't fake well, maybe that wasn't prop whiskey uh, <laughs> the entire time yeah that's kind of uh, like I, I wondered I, that after the fact i'm like um but yeah that, that's the interesting thing about less than zero and imperial veterans for me is like you know kind of a bad character or like a chaotic neutral character versus a just like chaotic evil character and like well i i think you can have an evil character but i think it's a matter of being able to actually like root for them yeah exactly you know? i mean yeah maybe, like, maybe another good example is, is the the joker of dark knight like you just, yeah, he's for sure. like you know, even if you can't sympathize with him you're just like he's just he's interesting he's just an interesting villain yeah like um, it's it, it's it's not like he's just doing this stuff to get a rise out of you even though he's probably kind of doing that to get a rise out of batman in that movie but yeah. you know which it's itself is fascinating mm-hmm. um you know like you know you complete me <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know I, I if you want another like sort of like an inverse of that i mean kind of like another imperial bedrooms is um uh gone girl mm-hmm. um like i that is one of my least favorite books um because of that because both of the characters in it are just complete like you just not only are they just unlikable but you just like you just don't want to like you're not really even that interested in you're like they're they're just assholes (laughs) the entire time that reminds like this isn't nearly like on the level of of uh the media we've been talking about but uh bad teacher with Cameron Diaz, Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Like that. I remember that. I, I remember, I think I either watched that with my family or I was watching it with like a group of people and I was like, literally everyone in this movie is terrible. Like, I, <laughs> like by the end, like, you know, like the, because it, it's, it's a rom-com so by the end, like, oh, it's like the happy, you know, happy ending and it's like, I'm, I, I kind of wish it wasn't. Like, I, I kind of wish yeah. that, you know, yeah, just so, it's definitely a, a hard balance to strike but if you don't strike it and, you know, you have kind of, unlikable bad characters Ugh. yeah so yeah it's it's a difficult yeah. it, it, it it's a tough thing to do um you know but but then you know it, it's it's funny because when you do it really well it looks easy <laughs> yeah like i mean i i think that in the uh that kind of dark knight trilogy i think the joker is easily like the, the if you pulled you know the world he'd be the the most popular character but he's very obviously a bad guy yeah but just he's such a likable and obviously a big part of Heath Ledger's performance but uh yeah all right well we are we're having some good conversation but we are <laughs> I, running a little I, long I'm enjoying it <laughs> yeah I um, am too but I just I looked at the time I was like oh wow yeah. we're really I, yeah yeah so I guess my my um my 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 final one is uh it is the uh the Tao Te Ching by uh Lao Tzu oh, or cool. I mean at least attributed to Lao Tzu um, but specifically, um, it's a translation by Red Pine, uh, which is, I, I really, if anybody's interested in reading the Tao Te Ching, like, check out the Red Pine translation, because it, he includes, um, he sort of compiles it from a number of different source texts that have been found of the Tao Te Ching. Um, but on top of that, he, at the end of every verse, um, he includes, um, like, a number of people who have like 
done commentaries on it over you know the last couple thousand years um as well as you know some other thinkers who you know kind of have similar ideas that, that kind of like resonate around this whatever they're trying to say you know like whatever Lao Tzu's saying in mm-hmm. this uh, particular thing I, I I mentioned the Tao of Pooh uh, by Benjamin Hoff earlier as an honorable mention I was gonna put that but I I, I always come back to the actual Tao Te Ching like I, it feels like every few years like I'll, I'll just like spend a few months and just like read like a verse a day because mm-hmm. I, I just find it to be such a um such an eye-opening text of just like how the world works like i don't know how to describe it like just he's able to, like I, I i feel like it it gets at the fundamental nature of reality more than like any other thing i've ever read mm-hmm. um and you know so i i some of it is just like it's it's difficult to even like you know put into words exactly what's talking what they're talking about in it and I mean, part of that is because i think some of what life is is ineffable you know to an extent um but but just sort of this idea of like you know uh, like the, there's one line that's like you know it's it's um what like pots hold water but it's the hollows that make a pot work or something mm-hmm. like that you know just like this idea that like uh you know um formless i you know maybe i have it here um i i i i almost want to look up my notes if if i can find it but it's you know kind of like emptiness gives something meaning mm-hmm. which is like such a you know such a very not western thing you know like we're so you know obsessed with like this kind of like utilitarianism almost of like you know if or maybe maybe not utility but more more like a pragmatism that like oh if this thing doesn't have value if this thing you know has no use we just kind of throw it away mm-hmm. and we just don't bother with it when in reality like you know like where whereas like i i think sometimes it's the things that you seemingly mean the least that matter the most you know it, it's kind of like uh oscar wilde you know like all art is uh all art is essentially useless you know like mm-hmm. yeah so i i mean this was you know reading like the Tao of Pooh, reading like a book like this you know was really eye-opening for me um you know in college uh which is i i, I guess like as like quintessential of a college experience as you can get outside of reading like dharma bums mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah it, i i just i really vibe with this this was kind of like you know the first time that i really started thinking about like you know spiritual matters after you know you know being raised christian and and realizing i i really disliked it mm-hmm. and and just leaving the church and you know yeah, it, but but it was like something like this that kind of brought me back into being interested in religion and you know just spirituality in general. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't read the uh, the source material, but I love the uh, the Tao of Pooh. I think just because growing up, I loved Winnie the Pooh, so it was yeah. interesting to have like a deeper you know deeper understanding 
that's one of the few books that I I have more than one copy of on my shelf, uh, because I like when there aren't people, but when I meet someone who hasn't read it, like I'll I'll end up just giving one to them, because <laughs> I, I I just think it's like one of those books I think everybody should read, mm-hmm. uh, and because it's not like it's not like not like in a proselytizing kind of way, but just like I I I think it's it does a good job of 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 kind of like you know showing a different way of looking at the world mm-hmm. and it's not telling you to do it or believe in it it's just you know it it, it, it just like sometimes it, it it can just make things easier i don't know in, in my mind like it, it just it feels like it answers things that sometimes don't have an answer or something you know yeah i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah but Sweet. Yeah. So, what is your uh, your final? My final one is you know I kind of decided, like a lot of people, but uh, it worked for me during COVID. You know I should start reading again. And uh, that, that's I, that reading is lame. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like it's something I like. I, I was like you know I'm way I don't read nearly as consistently as I'd like to. I want to start reading again. Uh, and there was one. Uh, my old boss, who I think it is this full time, he runs a writers' conference at. Oh, damn, I don't remember the name of the university in Mass, um, but he runs a writers' conference there. And the first year they did it, or the most recent year, um, they had this author speak there, and I guess she had been really hyped up. You know, she went for her. Like, like MFA or like her degree she was like you know, artist in residence something like she kind of was a rising star at Yale and she released this book and just gonna be honest I thought the cover was really fucking cool that was what first attracted it to me I also liked her vibe just like she had a cool she just had a cool look to her I was like oh she looks like a really interesting person and then I saw the cover I was like you know what I want to read that book and then, of course, <laughs> and then of course I didn't fast forward to COVID time about a year later I was looking at books, and at that point, the softcover had come out, and it was really cheap, or you know, relatively cheap for a new book. So I picked it up. I flew through that book. I think I read it in close to a day. Nice. Like maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe a little more, more or less. Um, it was fantastic. It is uh, *The Incendiaries* by R. O. Kwan. Um, I think it's All the right. only book she's still like it's still the only book that she's written thus far. I think she did uh, curated an anthology of like sexy time stories. It's it's, it's much <laughs> much artsier than that, but that's me. Being, that's me being a douche. Um, but this book was just such a. It's probably still it's one of if not my favorite like true content. Like I think it came out the twenty like 2019 or something like that like it's one of my favorite contemporary this is a 2018 2018, by the way cool cover for sure yeah like that's what attracted me and like she definitely like she has a cool look to her it just it's it's a pretty short just like the story is interesting the characters are interesting i love the like not to just read off like aspects of a book and say this is good but seriously like the characters the dialogue and i think what i love most about it is that it's written very very beautifully but simply like it just feels very conversational it feels very modern it doesn't feel overly 
verbose. I kind of like, I'm reading it, I'm like, man, this is kind of like, when I think about, man, I would love to read a book like, like just kind of my ideal book. This guy, it wasn't too long. It was engaging throughout. I, did, I didn't feel like it was too short either where I finished it. I'm like, oh, well, that kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> it just like, it really hit, checked all the boxes for me. Um, and I, I, I mean, it was a little bit of an accident that that was one of the it wasn't the first book i read during COVID. i read uh uh ann petrie's the narrows which was uh which was good i really liked that and then uh barn eight by deb olin on Firth, both of which i mentioned but those are the first two books i read during COVID, and i liked both of them a lot but this one just took it to another level where i was like damn i am real fucking excited about reading now um <laughs> And yeah, it's just, it's a it's a great book. Definitely um, can understand why she hasn't released one, you know, like a, a follow up, just because I think this was something that she worked a long time toward. Yeah, it, it said on Wikipedia that she worked for ten years. It took her ten years to finish it. Yeah, which I I think is is interesting because when you when you hear something like that, like something you know. It's not necessarily how long it is. It's not like she spent ten years writing and then just accumulated that. Like I think just going back and rewriting and whatnot, like mm. that's, you know, obviously that's not something that I have to. I have to tell you about. You obviously are, are yeah, you know, well versed in writing. But I think to me that's what a, uh, like for my senior project in high school, I wrote a novel. I and... I think about that a lot actually. Like like when I think about you and writing, I I think about how you wrote a novel in your senior year yeah and it honestly like the biggest issue for me was just having to go back and like rewrite stuff and like edit stuff and i was like i yeah. kind of don't like doing that so i think that's why like my, my ideas of being a a fiction writer were like yeah that's okay like i just i, I think just to, to, to get something where i want it to be where i'm like i, I really want to edit this and then i'm kind of like do i want to do the work needed to edit this and just like oh, like how how it's much a lot. yeah exactly yeah. And just like when someone can do it and do it well I just have so much respect for that and I feel like um, I don't know I'm not a big a huge anthology person or like a, a collection person but I, I would be interested in reading the uh, the book she curated I think it's called uh, yeah it's called Kink so I mean I guess that okay. tell, that tells you kind of the uh, the tone of the stories we're talking about so it's here. probably like 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 sex positive yeah sort of like um, erotica yeah but she she kind of curated and edited a short story collection so i'd be interested in reading that um so yeah that is my third pick nice i, I i've never heard of of aro kwan or this book so yeah it's it definitely like it, I, it's cool to have like a book i've never heard of <laughs> I mean, not to say that, I mean, there are, you know, billions of books that I don't know, but, <laughs> it's, you know, like, I, I honestly thought that, that you were going to pick, like, a Vonnegut novel. So, I like Vonnegut, yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't, I love Slaughterhouse-Five. I forget what other ones I've read. I could probably, I could check Goodreads, but... Uh, Cat's Cradle? Um, maybe? I think, I, I'd have to check, but... Yeah. Yeah, I really like Vonnegut. I probably should include Slaughterhouse Five as a honorable mention at least. So yeah. Well, I, I, I guess you're doing it now, right? Yeah, yeah. The, there you go. <laughs> that, that's me doing that. Yeah. yeah. When you when it comes to like, you know, working that, you know, working that hard to finish a book, especially I, I mean, 
said the first edition was like 244 pages which is like that's like you're really like you're going like line for line if you're editing that thing for 10 years Mm -hmm. and like i mean i i just i remember trying to edit you know my thesis uh for my my master's degree and like i mean that, that was that was a novel and uh like i spent my entire thanksgiving break from like when i woke up to like probably like five or six at night just editing this fucking thing uh and it was like i i loved it you know but like it's a lot it's a fucking lot to do (laughs) and and you're never quite sure like is it good enough (laughs) yeah sure that's part of it but um so i guess given that do you uh you want to talk about albums of the week since since we've talked mostly about books (laughs) yeah let's uh let's do it do you want to lead us off do you want me to go first I, I can uh, I can talk about mine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had this on today. Um, you know, not one of my wasn't one of my favorites, but I really like it a lot. Like, listen to it a second time. It's um, Confusionist Sex uh, by Sonic Youth. Okay. Uh, like their uh, debut, and it's uh, the the CD that I have is it it because I think all the reissues they included um the Kill Your Idols EP with it, so it's it, it's a great just a great listen. You know, I I, I think just it still rankles me that they call it noise rock sometimes because it's, it's, I, I, I guess maybe that's on me, I guess, be, because like the, it's noisy, but it's not like, it's not like it's always pummeling and in your face. Like a lot of this album is just very brooding and like not necessarily atmospheric, but like it, it feels like it takes a step back and, and sort of like, kind of lets like the screwed upness of it like kind of washed over you as opposed to like you know like listening to like fucking like dillinger or something like that and like greg Uh puciato just comes and like punches you in the face (laughs) you know (laughs) like it's it it, 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 it's very it's subtle you know in in its attack sometimes you know like there are points like they do a cover of um if i want to be your dog which is very like you know sounds like it was recorded on a potato you know the performance is wild and everything you know like there there are moments throughout it that are that that have this wildness but like just i i think i just always associate noise rock with like pummeling aggression so but nonetheless this was like i i I don't think i enjoyed it as much the first time but i really enjoyed it this time so yeah really glad i own it nice yeah Yeah. i uh i still only own uh daydream nation which yeah which is great you yeah, know which, which is good but i i'd like to branch out more and get more yeah i mean we, we did our whole uh sonic youth episode just have to go back and re-listen right <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i think i liked all the albums we we checked out so really any uh i don't think i could go wrong i just for some reason yeah, it's just not the, the, you know those were all really good i mean the, some of the other ones that because i think we talked about what evil um sister daydream nation and then goo Mm-hmm. Um, but Bad Moon Rising, which came before that, is really good. Yeah, I be- came before Evil and Sister, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they. So you you really can't go wrong with like, you know, pre you know like pre goo, I guess. Well, that's, <laughs> with, that that's a tough quote. You really can't go wrong with pre goo. With pre goo. <laughs> yeah, that's that 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 was a poor choice of words. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's funny. 
It's 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 all right. I'll I'll own it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so funny. Um, what, what what have you got for your album of the week then? So I so, so I can just you know make fun of you for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean I knew Ryan and I would be my friend and I would be carpooling with to uh, hang out with friends for a bachelor party yesterday and he's into hip hop so I just grabbed some you know he's mainly into contemporary hip hop grabbed some stuff from my shelf and I put an album I hadn't. Hadn't listened to it for a while, and it's it's really 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 good. It's uh, relax, which is uh, I'm kind of sad. It's the only studio album they released. It's the rap group uh, Das Racist. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I first heard of these guys a song with Danny Brown called Power, that is really really cool. Definitely sounds like uh, this came out in 2011. Definitely sounds like a you know that kind of early 2010s pitchfork friendly rap like a, just a really <laughs> cool powerful beat uh bought the album because i was like oh I, like i love that song and i bought it like relatively recently maybe like a mostly year or two ago and listening to it in full i i was kind of surprised when i definitely not the rest of the album is not as straightforward it's very quirky very nerdy um almost like of a bunch of nerdy like hipsters tried to write a more rap oriented take on mia sound um, okay so like sometimes sometimes it might be like a little sometimes it's a little too quirky like i mean i like it all the way through but like we were in the car and some songs you know ryan was vibing to other other ones he was like what's going on here man i'm like i don't know <laughs> just kind of doing their thing uh but besides danny brown uh lp makes an appearance uh also despot which i guess he's part of the uh, definitive jux cinematic universe um, okay so god i i hate that how that's just like a meme now <laughs> i think it's funny i think i, I definitely yeah. overuse it but i think it's uh it's become a thing um, yeah <laughs> i don't think i mean like not that i've said to before how lauren and i tried to uh <sighs> tried to start or watch i forget what marvel movie it was but like halfway through she was like i gotta be honest i have no fucking clue what's going on I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't either. So, I can't imagine that. Like, just, I mean, obviously enough people watch it that they can, they can get away with it. But, like, can you imagine? Like, I think I saw a meme recently, like, when, when a kid grows up and wants to get into Marvel and he has to watch, like, you 20 movies. Yeah, 57 movies just, yeah. to, just, to, just to understand it all. Um, but, yeah, speaking of, of getting back to the, the nerddom, in the hip hop <laughs> world, uh, yeah, he's a very, uh, very cool. I don't know why they, and I don't think that they've the individual. Like, there's two rappers and a hype man, which I think that's kind of annoying, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like how the Buddy Buddy Boston just have a dude who like dances in the corner, but like he's considered a member, and it's like, yeah, yeah. So Slipknot has that. It's called Clown. <laughs> At least they do something though. Yeah, like you know what? I, I, I'm with you. I yeah, I get it. Like it's it's silly, but like at least they do something on stage. Yeah. Um. It definitely like honestly in the live setting, it was it made more or at least it was kind of cool to see them on you know like the like Sid Wilson the turntablist and whatnot, um, like just them adding to the the vibes. I yeah. will say the quote-unquote sampler, the samplist, if you will, uh, he definitely was like, wow, yeah, this guy's just got to stand there. Like, he, like he, <laughs> he, he, he didn't really engage with the crowd, and it wasn't 
like it actually honestly it kind of seemed like he was contributing to the like literal mixing like the literal sound of the like you know like like someone maybe yeah, yeah someone you might have off to the side i thought that was interesting i'm like okay well like maybe it's not like artistically super obvious but if he's actually doing something functional i don't know i mean i don't know like i feel like other sound guys would be like well i want to be a member of the band like, <laughs> like i do an important job um yeah but yeah, yeah. well that's nice. nice that's what i got all right well uh i guess uh we uh we, we've gone very over time so <laughs> we'll just we'll just slap a bow on this puppy and get on with it right <laughs> yeah all right we'll talk to you thanks later. for listening yeah all right bye, bye. Thank <laughs> you.